0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk with a Doc, the show where we bring your questions to Providence Medical Experts for insight and information. I'm your host, Mary Arnoff, and here with me today is Moshegon Orsini with Facy Medical Center. Today, we're answering your questions about preparing for metabolic surgery. Remember, everyone, all of our questions come from you, our listeners, via social media. We can be found on Twitter at PSJH and on Facebook under Providence St. Joseph Health. Use the hashtag doc, that's hashtag TalkWithADoc, for a chance to hear your questions on our episodes. Before we start, I want our listeners to know that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult your healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. So let's get started by welcoming our expert today, Mojan.
1: Hello, thank you for having me. Thanks
0: for joining us. Well, question of the day. Tell us a little bit about what you do here.
1: I am a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and also a certified diabetes educator. Uh, We see lots of different patients from mainly type 2 diabetes, type Mm -hmm. 1 diabetes, weight loss, weight loss surgery, all the way to working with urologists of patients who have kidney issues. Oh, okay. So there's a variety of information that we give to patients to promote better health, Better eating habits, having more nutritious meals, mm-hmm. balanced meals, and then of course we have a great team that I work with. There's uh, seven of us, and uh, each one of us we provide nutritional information to the patients. Awesome.
0: And today's topic is about metabolic surgery. So for those listening, can you define what is metabolic surgery?
1: Metabolic surgery is a term used to describe weight loss procedures to t- to treat metabolic diseases, um, especially type two diabetes. The surgery is often performed in obese patients with a BMI of greater than 35. Mm -hmm. And of course, the patients must meet um, surgery criteria and approval from their primary care physician. Um, There are different types of metabolic surgery. The three main types are gastric bypass, the gastric sleeve, and the laparoscopic adjustable gastric banding. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, each surgical procedure works by changing the actual anatomy of the gastrointestinal tract, um, which is the stomach and the digestive system and, or by causing different physiological changes in the body that change energy balance and fat metabolism. Wow. Okay. Yes. It's, it's a tool for weight loss. The patients of course, um, must meet different criteria Mm -hmm. and also must manage their caloric intake as well. Let's
0: talk about what some of that criteria
1: is. Okay, Um, some of the criteria is they must have a BMI of 35 or higher, uncontrolled hypertension, sleep apnea, pulmonary hypertension, uh, coronary artery disease, type 2 diabetes, um, heart failure, and um, for individuals who may not have a core morbid such as I, li- I listed, they will go ahead and talk to their doctor to see if that they are a candidate for the surgery.
0: Okay. So, I mean, you mentioned a lot of conditions there, but it's really a lot of them that are related to weight issues that if you had weight reduction, those issues would potentially go away. Yes. Okay. So like when you say diabetes, that would be the kind that is is not, um, I don't wanna say genetic, but is really related to your weight.
1: Yes. Um, there are some patients who that are on insulin related to the weight that have type two diabetes okay. and many of those patients after the weight loss surgery meeting their criteria um, fortunately do get to stop insulin however okay. they must continue with the dietary changes mm-hmm. they have to exercise they have to meal plan and they have to also be mentally prepared for the surgery pre and host
0: sure a lot of changes happen after surgery when you have the weight loss i mean there's a lot of emotional aspect to it as
1: well absolutely so thankfully there's a lot of support classes here at facey we do have support classes that meet um we have a cr- meeting time that we meet i could mm-hmm. give that information out to you guys um, also one of the things that I tell patients is talk, have a support system. If sure. it's your husband or your wife, significant other, or a friend, make sure that you're prepared and you have a support system because it is very hard to go through it alone. Absolutely. Well, you talked about the three different kinds. You have the sleeve and the band and
0: everything. Um, are, are some of them safer than others or less intensive? What's kind of, if I'm, if I'm weighing my odds, how do I know what the right one is for me?
1: So this definitely does come with the vascular surgeon. So our goal is that the patient go through a six month program. And within the six month program, we discuss what are the negatives and the positives for each of the surgeries. For example, the band, which was very common, they are not doing that as much because the band does expand. Oh, okay. So it's more of a restrictive. So of course, if somebody's eating more and more, the it's going to get stretched out. Stretched right, out. Right, okay. So this pouch, which is the stomach, actually gets stretched out. And so many of the patients that we see are either doing the vertical sleeve gastrectomy or the Roux-en-Y gastric bypass.
0: And this, some of them, though, actually remove portions of the stomach, whereas some of them just kind of compress it, correct?
1: Exactly. So the sleeve is, and they surgically remove part of the stomach and the gastric bypass, they also remove part of it and they attach the top part of the stomach to the lower part of the stomach. Ah, okay. So we
0: used to hear stomach stapling, is that no longer an option or is that one of these and we're just calling it something different?
1: Um, It's more of the gastric bypass. Okay. So the procedure is different Of course, with since it it is laparoscopic, it is less intensive Mm -hmm. as before.
0: So, laparoscopic for those listening is when you cut like a small piece and you a small incision and you go in rather than gutting the
1: whole thing, exactly, rather than opening up the stomach because it
0: used to be like almost cut from side to
1: side, right? Exactly, so they no longer do that, okay? So, they do a laparoscopic, and um, as far as it varies. It c- could be from 2 to 3 hours depending on the type of surgery that they had. And what's the recovery time like? Recovery time typically is about 3 to 5 days post surgery. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Okay. It could be even longer, 7 days depending on how well the the patient is recovering, sure. but typically it's about a week off and then the individual could go back to work.
0: And are these surgeries typically kind of considered more risky because the patients are already having these other diseases, conditions, or I would assume if you're at a higher weight, you probably have more blood pressure issues.
1: It definitely can be, especially if the individual doesn't follow proper nutrition guidelines post-surgery, because mm-hmm. there could be protein energy malnutrition, there could be hair loss, there could be oh, wow. something called dumping syndrome, mm-hmm. which if a patient in eats really high fat, high sugary food all at once. So um, the patient could start feeling nausea, vomiting, uh, fatigue, and that's something that patients develop if they overeat really high fat, high sugary food.
0: Well, and that's why there's so much that goes into this before the actual surgery. You have, how many weeks or months is it usually that you're talking with a patient before they have the surgery? So
1: the program that we offer here and typical health insurances cover a six month program. Each each month we meet one time and there's a topic on as far as what the surgery entails, the nutrition before, the nutrition after. There's a lot of information about mental health, making sure that if you are struggling with something, you do seek a counselor. And of course, um, the support group classes are very important as well for the patients to attend.
0: Well, you just mentioned the mental health piece, and I think it's interesting because we see a lot of, like, Hollywood stars talking about their experience with metabolic surgery. I think Randy Jackson, Star Jones, Rosie O'Donnell, even Al Roker, right, who lost in a massive amount of weight. But it was Sharon Osbourne who, when she did gastric band surgery, she actually did it while she was on a reality show, and she talked about how she would often, like... Vomit after eating, and that's kind of what you were talking about with the dumping. And what she said was it really what it led her to realize was that she had an addiction to food, and that it was really the mental health treatment that she got after the surgery that helped her actually get into a place where she now maintains her weight. She's on a low carb diet. How connected is your program to that mental health component?
1: We definitely, definitely encourage patients to seek therapist or counseling. We provide information for um, if a if patient has eating disorder you know they need to speak to their doctor if there are different triggers emotional triggers right. environmental triggers get to know your triggers and of course once they've even gone through the program that we offer they will also speak to a psychologist at the vasca- at the surgeon's office got it so at that point if the patient is still not meeting the criteria then they will further be communicating with a the therapist that will help them deal with the issues that they're having
0: what's the percentage of people who come in seeking this that actually aren't approved because of of they're not meeting the goals or not meeting the needs they're not hitting their targets
1: it's hard to say Mm -hmm. um i that would be a really good question to maybe ask the the organizer okay um as far as when the patients are coming in we give them the information and some patients come in thinking they're going to do the surgery And then by the end of the six months, they may say, this is not the surgery. This is not what I want to do. Gotcha. Well,
0: that's interesting. I actually, so people who listen to our show know that I talk about it all the time. I lost 120 pounds in 18 months. um, And I had originally thought I was going to do the surgery. And then when I started talking and and I I was blessed because I work in this organization, I could ask the doctors. I was like, you know, it's really just going to be a lifestyle change for me. I'm going to have to change my eating habits. I'm going to have to acknowledge why I'm eating. I chose not to do the surgery, um, but You know, I I had friends who did it at the same time I was going through this, and it took me 18 months to lose it, and they were losing it in like five or six months, and it was very frustrating, but most of them haven't maintained it, and that's, I think, the interesting part. So what is kind of the, I hate to say success versus failure, but how many people go through this months of leading up to it, have the surgery, and then six months, a year, two years later, are back to where they started?
1: We see that often, unfortunately, oh, unfortunate. yeah. we do see. So after the program, the six month program, we give the patient the certificate, willing that they meet all the guidelines and the doctor approves, then that's when they'll go ahead and be referred to the surgeon. After that, we kind of lose track of them unless they're gonna come to the support group classes. Right, right. But we do get a lot of referrals from primary care doctors, a year, a year and a half, two years, that they've regained the weight. Mm so i encourage my patients have a plan if you're going to make a lifestyle change make something that you can do it it's small achievable so that you don't go back to your previous habits very true have a plan know your triggers if you're again dealing with a mental issue whether that's divorce stress work is stressful and the food it's not so much that Nobody wakes up and says, I want to gain weight. Right. So get to know what those triggers are and get to know what are some of your healthy habits. A meal plan. Mm-hmm. If you don't cook, start cooking. Right. Try different varieties of foods and exercise. You know, find what works for you. Maybe gym is not the answer. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's walking. Maybe it's dancing. Maybe it's joining a cycling club. Do what works for you, but just give it a try and believe in yourself. So many times we make assumptions. We think that we can't do it. I can't go to the gym because people will look at me. All right. We are the only ones putting that in our own minds. It's so true.
0: I said for years I could never run. I'm too big to run. My knees won't hold it. And now I run four days a week.
1: But I I just believed in my head I couldn't. And so I never even tried. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. So a lot of my patients do come and see me on a one-on-one basis Mm -hmm. and we do a meal plan together. Know what a calorie is, know what a protein is. We go through it, but it's a six-month program and it could be kind of extensive for them to you know, start doing everything all at once. It can be overwhelming, yeah? Yes, absolutely.
0: What's what's the almost trust relationship they have to build with you? Because if we're honest, most of us who have eating issues, I'm one of them, I hide my eating, right? I would never tell you how much I really typically eat in a day. This is two years ago, but I was probably eating three or 4,000 calories a day some days, and in my own head I didn't even know, but I certainly wouldn't have told you. How do you develop that relationship so that they're telling you what's really happening?
1: Personally, we... uh, I tell them, if they come to see me on a one-on-one basis, I tell them, what is your relationship with food? Mm -hmm. You don't need to tell me right now, but you need to figure this out to overcome the eating disorder that you may have, the food addiction that you may have. We also give them a lot of tools, whether it's charting, documenting, following some sort of a weight loss app so they understand how many calories Mm -hmm. they're having. And then what happens on the weekends? And are you making excuses? Just be honest (laughs) with yourself. Because if you're really good Monday through Friday and then the weekend comes and the family and the life and the stressors come, plan ahead. Right. And be consistent. And nothing just happens in one day. It takes time. Absolutely. And one of the major things that I tell patients is... If it's something that's new for you, maybe see if somebody, a buddy system, you know, somebody who's gone through it or, you know, get some more information with it. Enroll in a class. We also have a weight loss program besides the bariatric. And many of the patients do take the class. And sometimes, again, they go ahead and have the surgery and sometimes it's not for them. Right, awesome.
0: Well, this is a great topic. We have so many more questions for you. I mean, our fans send in a ton of questions. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking about metabolic surgery.
2: I just want to shine like the sun when it comes up. Run the city from the rooftops. Cause your going to be my going to be my day's, 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 day's. Night, stress. You're always there for me So when never seat to down I think you like seeing me freak out Good night stress see you in the morning So I wake up, I get out of bed Stay up, stay out of my head Cause it's dangerous And I don't wanna lose my mind
0: We are back on Talk with the Doc with our guest, Majan, and we are talking about metabolic surgery. So let's
1: talk about the surgery itself.
0: So let's say I go in, I have one of these procedures. What's it look like that same
1: day? So we have a pre-surgery phase, which is pretty much a complete full liquid diet. Mm-hmm. The patient is going to be only taking full liquids. For how long? For two weeks prior to the wow, surgery. okay. And then two weeks after the surgery, and with when I say liquid, they are going to be drinking lots of protein as protein well. Protein shakes, right? So yes, up to three protein shakes a day. So two weeks prior to the surgery, full liquid diet with liquid protein supplements. We wanna make sure that the patient is having 70 to 90 grams of protein per day. Their caloric intake is 1,000 calories per day. Okay. We, we give them meal plans or full liquid meal plan, you know. Breakfast, lunch. Crack your thing. shake open. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, liquids, protein supplements, strained low fat cream soups, uh, low fat, non fat yogurts, non fat custards, sugar free puddings and jellos, vegetable it's juices. Super
0: liquid. I mean, there's definitely some other stuff in there. Yes, okay.
1: absolutely. And then after the surgery while in the hospital, it's actually just a clear liquid diet. The surgery is about, depending on the individual, three to five days in the hospital oh in the hospital in okay, the hospital okay now some patients get out one or two days after mm-hmm. but you know we just let them know okay. that it could be 3 to 5 Something days varies post. by the patient sure so we call it just a couple of days but it's <laughs> a clear liquid in the hospital at that point the patient is given lots of protein and then they start to take their chewable multivitamins oh, okay we also have a plan of when to take those as well to make why, sure why is it chewable because the stomach has now been completely adjusted to a different format, uh, okay, it needs to be chewable so that the patient gets the most amount of benefits from Got the it. vitamins. It's an absorption. Got it. Makes sense. And then after the surgery, when the patient is at home, they go back on a fill liquid diet. And then, like I said, the chewable vitamins are started. And then weeks three to five, it's a soft diet with ground meats. They stay on this diet for about six weeks. Is it still about a thousand calories? It's about a thousand calories and then by week six that's when they begin to solid foods. They begin to introduce the solid foods. We don't want to start introducing the cruciferous vegetables with the cauliflower and the broccoli and the kale because Mm -hmm. those could cause a lot of gas. That's hard to process too right? Exactly. The one thing that we tell patients is that we have a lot of um, you know there's baby food, start mm-hmm. preparing your food, uh, make sure that the food is f- the vegetables are fully cooked. And we have a lot of visuals that we show patients. Oh, cool. Yes. Yeah, so for example, the total volume per meal, zero to three months is only about two ounces. Oh my goodness. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they're doing protein shakes in between though. Oh, Okay. And then it goes up to about four ounces, three to six months. Again, this is per meal and then six to nine months is six ounces and then nine to 12 months is eight to 12 ounces per meal
0: how long do they stay on that thousand calorie day
1: we encourage the thousand calories up until six to nine months okay and then by nine months they could go up to about 1200 calories but they have to maintain it they Mm -hmm. can't just end up overdoing it on the calories right right because that's how the weight gain starts to come back
0: Oh, yeah. I honestly and truthfully, so I did it, you know, calorie counting. I used an app, the whole nine yards, and I got down to, I was like 800 calories a day to lose that one and a half to two pounds a week. If I eat more than a thousand calories a day now, I gain weight. It's annoying.
1: And here's the truth. If you exercise, it does not mean you could go ahead and include Girl, the calories. Yes, it's true. It doesn't work that way. Now, if you do a lot of weight-bearing exercises, mm-hmm. do the protein supplements and the protein shakes, you know, especially if you're trying to build muscles, but calories are calories. What can we say? It's so
0: true. I'm like, oh, I'll just go for an extra run on Christmas or something. No, nope, it doesn't help. doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well... You talked about the three to five days potentially in the hospital might be sooner depending on how you're recovering. Do I need help at home
1: though when I do get home? Um, It varies. Some patients don't. Some patients do rely on their significant other or family members to make sure that they're getting hydrated enough and that, you know, helping them with meal planning. If somebody needs to go to the store, Um, just somebody to support them and encourage them because after all it is a surgery, even Mm -hmm. though if, it's invasive so many of our patients actually attend the courses with their significant oh, others nice. just yeah. like you would if you were going to do childbirth absolutely mm-hmm. it takes a village some patients or individuals i know don't tell their coworkers. Mm-hmm. i encourage patients if you have a good relationship just let them know what they're going through because here's what is often we see is that they're going to be given hey do you want some of this oh, or sure. do you sure. want some of that so hey we brought donuts in Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. So it's good that they know that they went through it so it's not so hard for them mentally after the surgery. How quickly can they resume things
0: like working out or running or lifting, that sort of thing?
1: Depending on the approval from the doctor, it's usually within about, you know, about two weeks or so, oh, one or two oh, okay. weeks, yeah. So you're yeah. not taking a big time off. No, no, and and the one thing, again, I tell patients is ask your doctor, you know, if it's okay to go back to the type of surgery, I mean, the type of exercise that you were doing and depending on the surgery, but most of the time patients, the recovery time is pretty fast.
0: And how long is the actual surgery? And again, I know it, must, it varies a little bit, but about, are we talking an hour, four hours? About two to three, two okay. to five hours, depending on the type. And who typically does that? Is it a surgeon? Is it a surgeon trained specifically in this type of space?
1: It's an actual surgeon. So our patients, um, we go through Dr. Felipe Calisi over at Providence St. Joseph's medical center. So many of the patients, he is, um, he's the one that does the bariatric surgery surgeon surgery for the patients. So for us, that's who, that's who the patients go through. Got it. Okay.
0: Nice. So, So do they get to meet with him before the day of the surgery?
1: Oh, they will be meeting with him once the course is completed. After the six months, we give them a certificate. Okay. Once they get all the criteria met through their doctor, they get a referral sent to something called the UM, Utilization Management mm-hmm. Department. Once they get the clear go-ahead, then they go ahead and call the doctor's office. Oh, okay. At okay. At that doctor's office, then they'll go ahead and meet with the dietitian there as well.
0: Okay. Yes. Wonderful.
1: And do, do you stick with the patients for a specific amount of time? If they want to follow up with me, that's great. However, given that they're going to be under the care of the surgeon and their own doctor, and they also have a dietitian a nutritionist that mm-hmm. works with them, typically I don't see them. Um, there are some cases that they'll call me and they'll follow up with me. But other than that, uh, not so much.
0: Okay. What are the the risks associated? Because I know a lot of people say, oh, I want to do it, but I'm scared.
1: There are many risks. Some of the risks that we see for patients is, um, like I kind of talked about, dumping syndrome, but vitamin and mineral deficiencies, mm, persistent okay. nausea and vomiting, anemia, hair loss, which hopefully with the proper nutrients that... Uh, hair growth back. Some patients don't lose any hair, but that is a potential risk. Um, dry skin, of course, hanging skin, which may need require right. plastic surgery, right. infections, strictures, marginal ulcers and leaks, gallstones. Um, yeah. And one of the big ones that, again, we do see is uh, something that may occur called the dumping syndromes.
0: So let's talk a little bit about... Um you know, you train these people, you educate them, you talk about the pros, the cons, what to expect. What are the things, though, that people really just don't expect? Like, for example, I know that I'm cold all the time now. Never occurred to me that I'd be cold all the time. I mean, I'm like a year and a half in and I'm still cold. Or the way that people respond to you, they see you, they treat you differently when you're skinnier than when you were fat.
1: Absolutely. That is one thing we do see, especially at the support groups because we have a lot of patients who come in you know to support patients who haven't had the weight loss surgery mm, right so a few of the stuff that they tell us is the way that people treat them mm-hmm. or it's like what happened to you or are you sick <laughs> were you sick yes yes because their face so much changes mm-hmm. as well so it's we tell you know that's one of the questions we ask at our last class What are you going to tell, be mentally prepared when somebody says what happened to you or, you know, what did you do? Be mentally prepared. Mm -hmm. It's going to be depending on how they want to, you know, treat the scenario. Some people are very private. They don't want to tell anybody. Some people are very open and honest about it. But I think the individuals are just very secure and they know what they're going to do. They just kind of move forward Mm -hmm. and they don't let, you know, comments get to them.
0: Any, any other shocks? Because you talked a little bit about skin, too. Like, I don't know that people are prepared for that loose, saggy skin.
1: Yes, I've had patients who have had breast augmentation who mm-hmm. ask me, will that be covered? And I say, you know, that's going to be... Because uh. none of these, unless it's a serious risk, most of them are not going to be covered plastic surgery-wise by the insurance. So we do tell the patients exercise is a very big component Mm -hmm. lifting some weights is very important yoga strength training pilates because again you're going to have a lot of sagging skin depending on of course how much weight that you lose Um, and some patients do opt out for surgery afterwards and they do talk about it it's something that they say this is something i've worked so hard for and then now they're exercising and you know they feel that they do deserve the surgery to look better
0: it's a tough one. I'm not going to lie, because I have some some sagginess places, and and I look at it and I think I liked my body better before because it was well proportioned and it wasn't sagging skin. But I like my health now, right? Like, there's definitely a pro and con, and I would assume that you probably have to have those conversations.
1: Yes, absolutely. We do talk to them, and when the patient does also meet with at the surgeon's office, there is a therapist that does ask ask a lot of questions, you know, as far as their mental health goes, and for patients, I tell them. If it's if if something like exercise is something you're new to, don't wait till the last moment or after (laughs) the surgery, (laughs) start doing it now and again, pick up something that you're, you know, you like to do and you're good at it.
0: You talked a lot about the food and kind of like that, that post-food situation. What are the other things that really change in somebody's day-to-day life after having the surgery? They sleep, c- that sort of thing?
1: Yes. So um, as far as improvement, especially patients who have sleep apnea, they could, don't know if they are using the CPAP machine. They don't have to use that. So mm-hmm. they sleep better. And of course we know, and this is one of the topics we talk about, decreased sleep increases cortisol, increased cortisol, l- the, the less likely to have weight loss. Uh, there's also the insulin resistant that goes with that. So with the sleep, they actually have a better mental health and clarity mm-hmm. as well. Um, other stuff is just preparing it. You can't just show up at a Starbucks expecting them to have something that your stomach could digest. Oh, good point. So they, when they leave the house, I tell them right now, today, do you leave the house with a lunchbox? And if you don't, that's going to save your life, right? Because again, if you haven't ate all day and then you see all this, you know, everywhere is against you, oh, you got Taco Bell, not, nothing absolutely. against them, nothing against anybody, but you have all the fast food restaurants, you know? Absolutely. So how are you gonna change the habit? So get some healthy snacks in there. It doesn't have to be huge prepared meals unless that's the way you wanna go to, but make sure you have some protein shakes, yeah. some protein supplements, you know, some fruits, some veggies in there, um, some almonds, a yogurt.
0: That's very true. I travel a lot and if I don't pack my snacks with me, I get to the airport and exactly that. Sometimes they'll have like a yogurt cup that has 800 calories in it. It's crazy. Yes. yes. Even when
1: you think you're eating well, you're not. We know what a patient told me. They said, she, he said, society, <coughs> even though everybody's telling you to be healthy and exercise and eat right, but every time you step out of your house, society makes it that it's hard for you. So hard. And I said, he's absolutely right.
0: Even people who mean well, right, who bring treats and snacks and stuff to the workplace, still making it hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. How can the family of these patients really be supportive to them?
1: Definitely. If they can go to any of the six month program classes, it just meets once a month. Um, if they could go with them to see a dietitian, go with them to the surgeon's office, um, join a gym with them or oh, okay. an exercise program. You know, if that's something that, you know, hiking or walking, some patients don't like the gym don't go, go hiking, walking, mm-hmm. bicycling, swimming, pick up something. And also definitely communicate with each other. Cause there are sometimes the husband and wife where the husband or the wife, I've seen this where the other person gets all the attention after the weight oh, loss. Yeah. And it's very hard on the relationship. So making sure that they have a clear communication that, you know, this is what I really want. It's for my health
0: do you see a lot of couples i know i'm I'm fascinated by my 600 pound life and often there's couples right and one of them will have to have the surgery first or brothers or sisters or moms or whatever but they can't do it both at the same time because one of them is the caretaker is it really hard for somebody to go second like you wanted to go first
1: um i usually see it if it's a husband and wife the wife usually goes first Mm -hmm. and the husband is more that's the way what i've seen Mm -hmm. mostly in our in our classes um but i think it's going to also depend on where emotionally prepared the sure. patient and patient is as well. Because after the surgery, again, there, the other significant other does need to provide support, whether that's emotional, mental, or just going to the store and making sure. Picking up the kids from school, whatever.
0: Exactly, yeah, okay. exactly. Well, we have time for one last question. What's the one takeaway you want people listening to
1: this show to know about metabolic surgery? Metabolic surgery is a tool to help with weight loss. It does not fix the issue of being obese so make sure that um, if this is something you're struggling with get to know your triggers get to know what your lifestyle is and start planning ahead and just give yourself some time it doesn't just take everything doesn't get fixed in one day so be patient with yourself
0: Great advice. Well, thank you Mojan for joining us today and everyone for listening and sending in your questions. You can follow Facy's clinical staff on Twitter at Facy Medical and on Facebook under Facy Medical Group. We look forward to future topics with more experts from Facy Medical Center and Providence. Make sure to follow us on social media at PSJH on Twitter and on Instagram and under Providence St. Joseph Health on Facebook. To learn more about our mission programs and services, visit future.psjhealth.org. Thanks for listening.